Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the ASHP Advocating for Impact podcast, where every episode covers a policy issue impacting the practice of pharmacy. I'm Tom Krause. Today, I'm joined by Kyle Robb and David Chen. Kyle leads our support for state affiliate advocacy, and David is ASHP's Vice President of Pharmacy Leadership and Planning, and really the ASHP expert on pharmacy operational issues. So today we're going to be discussing the growth of payer-mandated white bagging and how that is disrupting patient care and how state and federal regulators can play a role in limiting this practice. So maybe to get us started, Kyle, can you just orient us to what is white bagging and why are we seeing payers try to, to mandate this activity? Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. When discussing uh, these sort of activities, I think it's first uh, important to mention a caveat that what we're talking about today is applicable to clinician-administered drugs that are administered to non-hospitalized patients. And what we mean when we say clinician-administered drug, we mean typically an infused medication that cannot be reasonably or safely self-administered by a patient. It requires the assistance of a healthcare provider or advanced technology. Um, so uh, going forward throughout the, the, the podcast today, we might refer to these as clinician-administered drugs or provider-administered drugs or physician-administered drugs or outpatient infusions. These more or less uh, are, are all interchangeable terms. Some important things to know about these drugs is that they are typically very high-cost medications and they are used across specialty practices. So what we're talking about today is, is payer-mandated practices uh, wherein the payers are moving up for these drugs from the medical benefit, which you know, is typically associated with paying for hospitalizations, doctor visits, outpatient procedures, moving from the medical benefit to the pharmacy benefit, uh, which is the benefit that we most often associate with typical retail outpatient self-administered drugs. So why is this significant? Well, for outpatient infusion drugs, historically, they've been uh, acquired and reimbursed for under the same model as drugs for hospitalized patients, meaning that the hospital purchases the drugs in advance, they hold them in stock, and then when an appropriate patient needs the drug, they compound the drug, they administer drug, and then the medical plan reimburses that provider after the fact. Under white bagging that we're, and brown bagging that we're going to talk about today, what happens is coverage for the drug itself is moved off of the medical benefit and onto the pharmacy benefit. So what this means is uh, effectively the hospital is barred from purchasing the drug themselves, but rather the drug must come through a specialty pharmacy. So the plan would require uh, a prescription be sent to a specialty pharmacy. That specialty pharmacy would then, a pharmacist at that pharmacy would then dispense the drug and ship it directly to the provider's office, bypassing the patient. And, and Kyle, just just uh, so we're all on the same page here, that specialty pharmacy that you mentioned, that's a specialty pharmacy designated by the payer. It's not, it's not a generally a health system operated specialty pharmacy. Correct, yes. So in white bagging, uh, a primary motivator for payers to adopt white bagging is 
they can dictate who the purchaser of the drug is, meaning uh, no matter what hospital a patient is receiving or clinic a patient is receiving the infusion drug at, they can mandate that the drugs will always come from a specific source, which is often a plan-affiliated third-party specialty pharmacy that is not directly affiliated with the health system in any way. So why is this something that payers would want to do? So uh, I think David will get into this a little bit further on the finer points of this, but I I think first and foremost, uh, it's just that the payers have more control in sort of steering these medications. So they have uh, a better control over, in their mind, at least uh, a better control over negotiating the pricing and reimbursement for these drugs and negotiating the distribution channels for these drugs. Yeah. And then, Kyle, you mentioned a term called brown bagging. Can you just actually just distinguish for us what- White bagging versus brown bagging. Brown bagging is another form uh, of drug distribution where coverage is moved from the medical benefit to the pharmacy benefit. But in brown bagging, the clinician-administered drug is actually shipped directly to the patient. So, uh, you know, and... In white bagging, an IV drug would be dispensed by a specialty pharmacy and sent direct to the hospital for administration. In brown bagging, the same thing occurs. It is dispensed through a specialty pharmacy, but rather is mailed directly to the patient's house or dispensed directly into the custody of the patient. The patient is then responsible uh, for transporting and properly storing the medication prior to their visit for administration. And we should distinguish kind of both of those practices from yet another term sometimes referred to as clear bagging, where that product is filled by the hospital pharmacy and then sort of distributed potentially to another hospital campus, but all within the same uh, common ownership of the health system. And, And we sort of don't see that as causing the same operational challenges as white bagging and brown bagging. Correct. Yes. Uh, so, so clear bagging is another form of distribution uh, that is through the pharmacy benefit. But in the case of clear bagging, uh, there is, as you mentioned, common ownership between the specialty pharmacy and the health system, uh, which allows for more or less disruptions in continuity of care. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, so these practices have actually been going on for for quite a while, but there has been an uptick in in recent years. Kyle, do we have a sense of how much? white bagging or maybe some of these other practices have grown in the recent past? So it does vary between plan and and jurisdiction for some reasons that we'll get into later, but the the broader... the broader sense and the broader trends are clearly obvious that this is increasing across all plans generally. Uh, white bagging in particular is growing uh, at astronomical rates. We're talking double digits per year. So out of all plan spending for these drugs, more than 10% of the annual spend year over year is being shifted from the medical benefit to the pharmacy benefit for a lot of these drugs. Brown bagging is not increasing at quite the rate of white bagging, but it is also steadily increasing year over year across all plans. You know, I think many of our listeners will be kind of familiar with the some of the challenges related to brown bagging when the patient is bringing in their own medication. But David, can you talk to us a little bit about why white bagging presents operational and, and potentially patient safety challenges when that payer-mandated pharmacy is sending the drug directly to the provider? Yeah, thanks for that question, Tom. Well, at the macro level, I mean, it takes a process, white bagging takes a process that involves formulary development and health system specific policies and procedures, education and training and safety, and completely disrupts this through the payer policies and formulary decisions by the payer who 
doesn't have direct accountability or liability of what happens at the point of care. At the safety systems level, it corrupts a process that when a drug is provided by the hospital for the patient, the hospital is providing the actual treatment and care. And this process adds at least 10 extra steps for each patient and payer requirements unique for that payer. And this is happening with multiple payers. It is a process that runs counter to all lean and patient safety models to reduce risks and to ensure the best outcomes expected intrinsically by patients and providers and regulated by accreditors, CMS, and best practice organizations such as ASHP and ISMP. So some examples of these patient care challenges is that often uh, the management of the conditions treated by these drugs that are being pushed into the white bagging channels are conditions that require drug infusions and just-in-time treatment decisions due to the critical nature of the patient. Drugs and doses often need to be modified due to the changes in patient-specific conditions, such as weight gain, renal function, bone marrow function, and other labs. And having the drug unavailable that's necessary because of it needs to come from a payer-designated pharmacy results in treatment delays. And patients can remain in a hospital due to delays in arranging the post-discharge dose, which could be done immediately when it's uh, provided by the hospital or health system. And that increases other related risk associated with patient uh, admissions. And then also patient readmissions can occur due to delay in the mail order delivery process, you know, resulting in you know, life-threatening symptoms uh, requiring hospital admissions. But then there's also additionally the real impact on the logistics around safety. Um, it disrupts the ordering process and starts to introduce errors. I mentioned, as I mentioned, it, it, it adds multiple steps to the process. And nowadays, with the complexity of these treatments, there's often a complete evidence-based drug therapy plan that are built into our hospital and health system's electronic healthcare records, and this circumvents that. Also, often with drug therapy plans, when they're not available for the e-prescribing aspects of this, it requires duplicate ordering or management processes because of the fact that this is technically a patient's own medication. And then there's other logistics issues, such as the disruption for patient care management. You know, patients can often change their schedule appointments. People's patients would like would arrive and drugs aren't available due to the coordination of care. And then at the next level, there's operational concerns, as I mentioned, which this requires specific patient inventory management. And keep in mind that most of these treatments that these patients are, are being treated for their disease states require multiple drugs. And these drugs, because they're coming from the outside, uh, may not work with existing safety technologies such as barcode scanning. So it sounds like there's, you know, there's, there's just really an incredible a number of, of potential patient safety and operational challenges from delayed treatment to errors in treatment. And, and I assume there's also probably potential for waste because if product is getting delivered but then if for whatever reason the patient doesn't show up or it's not the right medication and needs to be modified, now there's drugs sitting on a shelf that is no longer the right fit for that, for that patient. Uh, that's correct. And, and that's one of the things that our members have been evaluating. Currently, the medication technically has been billed to the employer and the patient, um, and it's been delivered to the hospital. And the payers do now provide, from what I'm understanding from discussion with members, a clear way of what to do with that medication should it not be used. Patient treatment changes, patient chooses not to uh, show for an appointment, 
or even if the patient passes away. And so uh, we're evaluating what the ramifications are for that. But currently, our members um, have to hold on to that drug because there is no clear method from a regulatory legal perspective to give guidance for this right now. I'm struck that you know our our healthcare system has for the past decade been working on improving the sort of management of drug in the supply chain and kind of building a robust pedigree to be able to track that drug to the point of dispensing but but now with white bagging the drug is actually uh, getting dispensed before it even enters the hospital so there's a sort of disruption to that pedigree and that kind of supply chain management that we've been working so hard to develop, you know, and that, that policymakers had at FDA and in Congress had asked us to, to develop. Yeah, Tom, and our members would agree with this. You know, the concern is, is that, you know, it, white bagging, as you mentioned, has been in the marketplace for quite a while. It, it started what I would define as sort of rare and exceptional cases and it really has grown into more of a business model. And as a result, it, it has ramifications, just magnifying the, 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 the labor and time of care coordination. It's increasing the, the number of just the number of raw volume of white bagging coming into hospitals and health systems, then magnifies the, the challenges of everything across the board of coordination of data in the EHR, coordinations of patients that all together just raise risks because of just the volume. Whereas before, when it was a rare and exceptional case for a patient, hospitals and health systems could accommodate for that. Um, Whereas now it's just, like I said, it has grown exponentially. When it comes to really the technical aspects of sort of the supply chain expectations, I think that's something we're continuing, as you mentioned, you know, continuing to evaluate because of the expectation for things like DSCSA, but also just there's the, the, the pure fact of that once this medication has been shipped from a pharmacy for a specific patient, you know, do hospitals have things, for example, indemnification against anything that may happen to the medication in transit? Um, and a lot of these um, risks to essentially the supply chain have been accounted for by the FDA and trying to improve that and white bagging essentially circumvents all of it. So if white bagging creates all of these patient care challenges, Kyle, can you can you talk to us about what regulators are doing either have already done or like where there is potential opportunity for regulators to intervene with regard to to curbing some of these practices? Absolutely. Yeah. So for, you know, all the reasons that that David was sort of going into uh, just now, a lot of payer practices have raised a lot of concern uh, amongst a lot of lawmakers and legislators uh, that want to make sure that payers aren't implementing this in a a way that's sort of completely untenable and unsafe. So there's a number of different ways that the regulators and lawmakers can try to address these white bagging, these other distribution models to, to make sure that patient safety is maintained. One avenue is through directly regulating the plans and the PBMs. A couple of common state-level PBM regulations that we've seen or solutions that we've seen at the state level are requirements that 
any drug that a plan mandates be dispensed, any specialty drug, uh, clinician administered specialty drug that a plan mandates be dispensed through the pharmacy benefit can be dispensed through any qualified specialty pharmacy. This in effect enables clear bagging uh, for health systems that have access to in-house specialty pharmacies to allow them to maintain common ownership. Another sort of policy proposal that's been floated in some jurisdictions uh, and been adopted uh, across some plans is some plans will allow providers to buy and bill and also be reimbursed at whatever their specialty pharmacy contracted rate is. This effectively allows providers to opt out of white bagging. But that's not really a comprehensive solution because, you know, really the, the plan and the pharmacy are the ones that negotiated that rate, not the individual provider. Another avenue is to directly regulate the specialty pharmacies themselves. To have individual shipping and logistics plans with every single facility they work with. Uh, so meaning they must have a plan on file to know exactly where they're going to deliver these drugs to, through what carriers and how they are going to arrive uh, to reduce the, the operational strain and the possibility of lost drugs. Um, from the Board of Pharmacy perspective, uh, there, there are a, a lot of open questions about white bagging that have been addressed in, from various boards into to varying different sort of outcomes and interpretations. You know, some boards of pharmacy have taken the position that since the medication is delivered via valid prescription and dispensed from a specialty pharmacy, after it's dispensed from the specialty pharmacy, the Board of Pharmacy no longer has jurisdiction over that drug because it's now a dispensed drug. But this is sort of uh, contradictory to the idea that a lot of these white bag drugs, uh, where the specialty pharmacy is just sending a concentrated vial, and then the receiving hospital still has to sterile compound the drug. So especially in the case of drugs that were require compounding at the end user location, a, a second pharmacist and pharmacy personnel are then responsible for safely compounding a drug that has already been dispensed. Um, so, you know, uh, state board of pharmacies have regulations that prevent drugs from being redispensed after they've already been redispensed. So wouldn't it seem in the case of sterile compounding that white bagging constitutes redispensing? And, and we've had a number of different board of pharmacies sort of weigh in on this through various levels of authority with all kinds of different results. So it's still really a, an open question uh, across the state landscape. In, in terms of state examples of specific legislation, some states under their state Medicaid plans have completely banned white bagging. So Texas is an example that specifically under Medicaid, there's a statutory requirement that most of these drugs be covered under the medical benefit and not under the pharmacy benefit, which would essentially preclude all white bagging. Uh, that being said, other plans, you know, across that state are have carte blanche to do white bagging. So, uh, you know, a, a state is still is limited in its ability to to mandate that white bagging can't happen across all plans through payer policy because they don't control payer policy for all plans. Uh, there are federally regulated plans, you know, most common is Medicare, but also large employer plans. They, they don't have the authority uh, to mandate how those payers practice so directly um, in terms of, you know, being prescriptive and saying they cannot be covered under the pharmacy benefit. You know, we spoke a little bit about the, the FDA DSCSA, uh, the track and trace requirements, and that is another sort of uh, frequently uh, brought up uh, legal and regulatory issue. And that is, you know, wholesalers and distributors are required to provide anyone that they sell drugs to with uh, extensive drug pedigree information. That requirement stops after a prescription is dispensed. So since these specialty pharmacies are dispensing the drugs, they are now not required, or, or in a way, they are bypassing all of the track and trace requirements that would be required of them 
had they sold the drug in the hospital as a wholesaler. Yeah, and this is this is a, an issue that we have we ASHP have already pointed out to FDA, and and, and there does seem to be some interest um, from the agency to to understand those disruptions to to DSCSA caused by white bagging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so to give a little bit of a further context, you know, uh, white bagging is not only of interest to hospital administrators and, and hospital. Uh, pharmacy directors, a lot of the medicine specialties uh, that most frequently utilize this medication have serious concerns uh, with this practice for, again, all the reasons that that David was outlining earlier. So there is pretty widespread resistance, opposition, hesitance, whatever you want to call it, uh, among a lot of specialties, uh, most common are oncology, rheumatology, uh, neurology. One specific example, uh, an oncologist society uh, in Tennessee did send a letter to Blue Cross and Blue Shield outlining all the reasons why they felt white bagging was unsafe for their patients uh, and why it should not be allowed. And Blue Cross Blue Shield basically responded to them, uh, you know, we're going to keep doing it. This resulted actually in a bill being introduced in the, the Tennessee legislature during the last session uh, in 2019 that did attempt to mandate across all state regulated plans that these drugs be covered under the medical benefit and not the pharmacy benefit. Another individual state that's sort of noteworthy is Ohio, because to date, Ohio is the only state that has actually attempted to ban brown bagging. Uh, In 2014, Ohio passed a law that says no clinician-administered drug may be sent directly to a patient's custody, uh, and that rather they all must be sent to providers. And at the federal level... There is actually one agency, DEA, that that actually has longstanding policy about white bagging, really even before the practice was widespread. And that's that's because they are trying to address kind of issues of kind of control, uh, lack of uh, control um, and custody of uh, of controlled substances. So can you just tell us a little bit about what DEA says on this topic? Yes. So the Controlled Substance Act contains a provision that says a pharmacist may not dispense a patient-specific drug to anyone other than the ultimate user. And the ultimate user is defined as the patient who's taking the drug. This, in effect, means that a pharmacist cannot dispense a controlled substance direct to the custody of provider, which means that white bagging is prohibited for controlled substances. But since the prohibition is only on delivering directly from a pharmacist to a provider, the controlled substance language actually does still allow for brown bagging. Uh, The the pharmacist is allowed to send the drug directly to the custody of an ultimate user, even if that ultimate user is completely incapable of self-administering the drug. And this is, you know, this is something that we have already um, been in touch with DEA about, and we're going to, you know, continue to work closely on both white bagging and and brown bagging with them. So, thank you, Kyle, for kind of taking us through some of these uh, potential regulatory avenues to to curb white bagging. And David, thank you for talking us through some of these operational and safety challenges. Maybe David, just in closing, can you can you just share your perspective on what what pharmacists can be doing, kind of internal to their system, uh, to get involved in pushing back on some of this growth of white bagging and the potential uh, patient safety challenges that it can pose? Yeah, thanks, Tom. I think the you know the first step that I you know hear from our conversations with members is really uh, looking at the whole situation through the eyes of the patient and then the providers that are taking care of those patients and the impact it has on them. 
And so there are some things that are coming up for coming up through conversations that should be considered by a health system proactively or if they're dealing with the situation currently uh, on the growth of white bagging. You know, one, hospitals need to assess the patient care risks, both at the, at the individual patient level, and then also the impact on the overall medication use process um, for the organization, including the financial impact. This should include engaging the health system's payer and managed care contracting teams. Hospitals and health systems also need to assess their legal ability to take ownership of these patient-specific white bag drugs that bypasses the patient that is being sent by these payer-designated pharmacies, you know, and including the question, you know, is there a risk or is there a lack of indemnification to protect the hospital and patient for the drug integrity, as Kyle just mentioned with some of the supply chain concerns. And as we mentioned, you know, there's always been a need for this rare and exceptional situation for patients. So I think where hospitals need to look is to assess whether the routine dispensing of patient-specific medications delivered to a site of care bypassing the patient taking position of their own medication, as mentioned above, is legal and determine if the practice is allowed in their organization and in their state. And going back to the patient, you know, is assessing the impact on their patient. What are those case studies where there's been challenges? And what is the employee satisfaction and provider satisfaction in having to manage the white bagging as it escalates in volume? And again, I would also add, you know, while ASHP and our member volunteers have been are continuing to work on solutions around this, that hospitals and health system pharmacy leaders will also need to work at their ASHP state affiliate level, since some of the solutions, such as the regulatory and payer relationships, are often a state-based situation. And I would close that, as I think everything we've just spoken about is white bagging. Uh, due to the exponential growth of this across the United States, has really gotten to a point where it disrupts a medication use system in hospitals and health systems designed to optimize safety and timely care for patients. And it really calls to question as to whether white bagging has just become, gotten to a point where, by design, it's circumventing state and federal regulations designed to protect our patients. Yeah, well, for exactly those reasons, uh, this is very quickly emerging as a, a major advocacy issue for ASHP. So members will will be seeing more information from us on this topic. We're going to be continuing to engage the federal agencies on this and, and working to support our state affiliates to engage their legislatures and boards of pharmacy to address white bagging. So David and Kyle, thank you for talking us through these issues today. For uh, listeners who want a little more content about white bagging, there was a recent podcast with Joel Hennefent on um, best practice in formulary management, keeping patients safe from white bagging. And we will provide a, a link to that podcast uh, in the show notes to this episode. So again, uh, thanks to Kyle and David, and thanks for joining us for today's podcast. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.